This is a kind of a rough day to, to get going, isn't it? Interesting how many of the things we've already sung or said uh, refer to storms and winds. None of that, of course, was known when they were chosen, at least to us. There might be one or two in the room that are good with their memory and will realize that I preached from this passage nine months ago in April. And um, so if you remember that, you remember me saying how strange it felt to preach on that passage in a place where you can't build on anything but sand. But of course we understand what Jesus is teaching and we understand it if we think just even for a moment, it's meaning, what the meaning is. The rock is God, a life built on God will not fall. And a life not built on God will. And that day will come. That, that moment will come. But I chose it again because I've been on this two-year journey with you all of trying to not let any part of the Gospel of Matthew not be shared, not be preached. And the last verse I did not read or address when I uh, came to this passage in April. Uh, and I want to today. The last verse was this. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds who heard him were astonished. They were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Not as their scribes. When you think about authority, I don't know how you, you immediately begin to think about it, but I can confess that when I begin to think about it, I think about how all the stuff around me presses on me to be conformed to it. So let's think for just a minute about the authority of Jesus as the crowds observe it, as crowds see it, okay? In general, authority kind of plays out in a variety of ways in our lives. Um, there's there's some, some authorities that we have no choice in. If you're a soldier, if you're, if, you're, if you're enlisted in the military, you are under authority and you know that if you don't obey, it will be swift. Correct? I can get a nod from a few of you uh, former military guys out there, maybe a military woman or two. When, when, you're, when you're a citizen, and the government comes knocking on the door, you're under authority. I can remember being a foolish young seminarian. Foolish, foolish. I'm embarrassed to even tell you this story. And coming back from six years in England and being confronted with a bill from the IRS. And the bill was about social security. And I had never thought about Social Security. I had never read about Social Security. I had not imagined Social Security. I was a young whippersnapper. And I had a deep and profound experience of God's grace and life in the community of the church. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to let the government take care of me. The church is my community. And so I didn't pay. And it did not take long till they were knocking on my door. And it was real simple. You want to go to jail or you want to pay? I'll pay. 
all right? So, so th- th- there, there are things like that. When we're little children, we, we are under an authority. We don't get to, we might fuss, but we are overwhelmed by the authority of our parents. Um, th- there's, there's sometimes that we just don't have a choice about it in this life. But then there's, there's, there's other times when we know what the authority is, but the consequences don't seem too significant to us. When the IRS came calling, or the, the whoever it was that was sent to me, um, I, I knew I didn't really have a choice. Well, at least I didn't like the choice. But, but some things, there's authority, but we, don't, we just don't take it seriously. Um, I'm sure no one else in this room has ever run a red light. Um, you, you, you can tell from the behavior of many in this part of the world anyway, I think probably everywhere, that the odds of getting a ticket for running the red light are slim. And so a lot of people do it. They know that the authority is that they shouldn't, but they do it. Um, you know, it, it, there's, there, there's, there's an unwritten rule in America that you can speed. Um, as long as you don't go more than seven or eight miles an hour over the speed limit. But the reality is you could get a ticket for that, but, but people know, you know, the odds of that authority crashing down on me if I stay within that little margin is very, very slim. Um, and, and then there, there are some choices which we continue to make which have very severe consequences. Um, I have a daughter and son-in-law who are crazy. They live in Boone. Um, that doesn't make them crazy, Matt and Jenny. But they love to climb cliffs, right? And, and I think that's nuts. Now, they always do it with ropes and gear and, 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 and behaving very sensibly. But there are people who climb steep cliff rock faces with no gear except their physical body. Some of you may be aware that a year or so, a couple of years ago, a man scaled El Capitan out in the, the, the most amazing vertical cliff in North America, maybe one in the whole world, and he climbed from the bottom to the top without a rope. And at any moment, he could have fallen and been dead. Some, some things that people choose to do, the authority of gravity was there. He knew the authority of gravity was there. But he chose to go up that cliff face again. It's the same with many other things in our lives. Some things actually have a binary choice. They're on or they're off. You're alive or you're dead. There's not an in-between. According to the teaching of our Lord, there's saved and damned. Binary choice. The authority that's out there in general comes to bear on me on, by, with crowds. And that's what the word leapt from the page for me this week. The crowds were astonished. The crowds. And I think about the crowds. And I think about the power of crowds. And, and, and how the natural instinct of most human beings is not to be considered an outsider. So if a crowd is doing something, the odds are that most people will go along with the crowd. 
because we are social beings. We are made to be along to one another. And so when, when a crowd is going somewhere, we tend to go with the crowd. Oh, it's a great restaurant. Well, we try it out. Uh, it's not a great restaurant. Well, I'm not going there. Uh, but sometimes it gets really, really bad. January 6th is an interesting moment in our lifetime. I remember as a plebe at West Point, you've probably started this. It's all Roy's fault. I wasn't thinking about the military when I walked through the door. But, but in, in my first year, plebe year, we were called plebes, not rats. We were called plebes. And uh, the night before a big game, we always had a kind of pep rally after dinner in the great hall where all the cadets ate at the same time. In, in, my, in my day, there were about 2,800 of us, and we all sat down and had a meal at the same time. It's, it's amazing, really. And then afterwards, we'd have this little pep rally. Well, that night, the pep rally got out of control. It was the night before the Penn State game. And I don't know how it got started, but all at once, stuff that was absolutely contrary to every rule at West Point started happening in that mess hall. And food started flying. And linen napkins, we had linen napkins in those days, linen napkins started being tied into strings and thrown over the chandeliers. And some guys started stock, stacking oak tables of ten and making pyramids up this high, high hall. And, I mean, I'm, I'm frightened like a plebe all over again just telling you the story. But the, the longer that got out of control, the more everybody participated. Everybody knew we were... We were running a huge risk, especially the plebes. We were terrified. Well, later that night, the entire senior class were called to the main auditorium of the teaching wings of the, of the, of the academy. And the whole first class, the seniors, were put under, under discipline. The entire class, because they let it happen. But the crowd swept us along. The cloud swept us along. And that's what the world does to us. The world sweeps us along. And if we're honest, in any given week, in any given month, in any given year, what percentage of the time we have lived that season, however short or long, what time in that season have we wanted to be under the authority of God or have we just been swept along by the crowd? Living like everyone else. Thinking like everyone else. Reading the same stuff as everyone else. Watching the same garbage as everyone else. When Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were astonished. And they were astonished because he was not teaching like anyone they'd ever heard before. He was not teaching like anyone they'd ever encountered before. He was teaching as though he had the authority of God in what he said.
Now, the process by which people came into contact with Jesus in those days would have been very simply thought of this way. Some of the people may have been in that crowd who actually saw him grow up. They, they might have been from Nazareth, just like he was. And if, if that was true, they, they knew what a good boy he was. He, in, his, in his natural self, he was a good boy. And you know the difference. You know the difference between a bad boy and a good boy. And Jesus was a good boy. And so people that were aware of him at first were like, what a nice young man. And of course, at 12, he astonished the teachers of the law. Oh, what a great young fellow is growing up in, in this boy from Nazareth. And when he began to preach at 30, um, in Capernaum, where he decided to make his home. People said, what a fine preacher. Oh, isn't this, isn't this new rabbi, isn't he nice? But the more people listened to what he was saying, the more they paid attention to his teaching, the more they realized he was speaking as though he was God. And division came. Why did division come? Because what he was saying, if it was listened to and obeyed, meant change. I can't listen to him any longer and just say, how nice. What a nice sermon, Pastor. I can't say that. Because what he's saying is if I'm really hearing, I've got to change the way I'm living, the way I'm thinking. The way I'm acting, the way I'm seeing. And in that moment, the division begins. And some just turn away. Some don't want to be bothered. Some don't want to hear anything. Some don't want to explore anything. Some don't want to read anything, watch anything. They just turn away. And why is that? Because we want to be our own God. Every one of us. Every preacher, every bishop, every priest, every person. We don't like the idea of someone else being in charge of us. But Jesus says God made us to be in, that we would be in the right relationship with him. And so some just turn away and just don't want to hear it. Some actually attack him. They, they, they actually begin to plot to get rid of him, to put him to death, to oppose him. And that happens all through history whenever God calls a man or a woman to speak what the contemporary culture doesn't want to hear. The same thing happens. Some turn away and some start to attack. And some, some hear this voice saying, follow me. I've come to give you life. I've come to put things right. I've come that you might know my life and my love, my goodness, my beauty, my will. Follow me. And those that begin that journey discover, whether at the beginning of that journey or as they are going along, this is the Son of God. The creator of all that is, is in our midst, 
in Jesus in order that we would not be lost, in order that we would not go astray. And we begin to follow. And following, we don't make it an easy journey. It's not an easy journey. It's a challenging journey. It's, it's going to challenge me and it's going to challenge you to the end of your life because you still carry in your natural self the desire to be your own God. And so do I. And that's why the call to repent is sounded every Sunday in our tradition. We never have a church service in which we are not called to confess. And I don't know about you, but I know for myself that many of the times that I've been on my knees in confession, I'm like thinking, well, did I do something wrong yesterday? Or did I do, have I been ugly to somebody? I'm, I'm thinking of little discreet things. But the reason that we actually have that confession week after week, day after day, if you follow the prayer book, is because it's going to take you a lifetime to realize how opposed to the will of God you are in your natural self. And how consistently and continuously do we need to say, oh Lord, I, I know your love for me has called me to be different than I am. And I want to be. Now thank God, many in this room, I'm sure, as well as myself, can go, well, I thank God I'm not what I was 10 years ago. Or 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, or 40 years ago. Some who journal may be able to say, I thank God that I know today what I didn't know three years ago. But that's a journey that we're on once we say yes, once we turn, once we begin to follow. Now, I'll try to end. I, I'm moved. You know I've said this to you a thousand times, I'm sure. The act of preaching for me is hearing the gospel. The guy behind the pulpit it's like the words go out and go, <laughs> okay, and I feel it. I feel it for myself. But let me end by saying what we prayed. We prayed for the second collect of Epiphany. We prayed it, and I love it. It's one of my favorite, favorite places to come to in the year. When we say the church's task, the church's calling, the church's mission, is that people would know Jesus Christ and would worship Jesus Christ and would obey Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And to know Jesus Christ is different than to know about him. To know him is to know him. To know him is to know his voice. To know him is to be very correctable by his teaching. And to worship him is way more in its meaning than that we gather on Sunday, although that is part of it. It means my life belongs to him. I worship him at work. I worship him at home. I worship him wherever I am, whenever I speak, whatever I do. I bring my worth to him.
It's meant to be an all-encompassing concept. It's not just a, I worship him once a week on a Sunday. And that can only be the way of life of someone who knows him. And if we know him and worship him in that way, we want to obey him. We want to obey him. We're not, we're not under, under discipline to obey him. We're not in bondage to obey him, obey him. It's not the IRS calling. It's not an upperclassman at West Point. It's not an army sergeant reaming me out. It's my heart has been so touched by his love that I want to please him by my life beginning to be what he wants it to be. And that's a journey. We don't, we don't become that when we start to follow Christ. We, we begin a journey of becoming that. And at some point, we begin to know in a self-aware way that we want our will and our actions to be conformed to what God wants them to be as revealed to us in the Word of God. And when that becomes real, what Jesus says should be true of his church starts to be true for us. I'm in the world. but I'm not of it. And that's why, as we sang on Friday, as we said farewell to Herman and Sherry, that on that day, when he comes for me, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have joy. And that's what he wants for you. And that's what he wants for the world. And, and that's what we've been called to live. Uh, and, and by the living of it, the sharing of it, and the speaking of it, and the modeling of it, in all our imperfectness, we're on that journey together. A journey of becoming what God wants us to be. And this is as good a day as any to renew that journey or to pledge to that journey. Let's pray. Father, you are so amazingly, awesomely wonderful. And you have given us so much. You have entrusted to us so much. You have loved us so much. And because of your love for us, we love you. And we know that love revealed in your son Jesus sent to us and sent to all who would turn to you. So be with us today be the light in this rainy old day for us. Be the fire in the fireplace of our hearts today. 
and grant us to walk the journey together as your body, your people, your family. Help us to walk that journey together now and always in a way that brings honor and glory to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.